1: Hello, everyone. I am Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade. How are you? Coming up later this hour, we're going to be speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. We'll talk about Tim Scott announcing. Uh, his run for president, the 2024 race. We'll talk about red flag laws and immigration, and a bunch of other things. Um, so, a lot of things to talk about today. Uh, Congresswoman Debbie Lesko of Arizona joins us right now. You can find her on Twitter at Rep D Lesko L E S K O. Congresswoman, thank you for joining me.
3: Thank you for having me, Mary. I
1: appreciate it. I have, I found this story. Now I noticed we had, I have things that we want, we wanted to discuss with you, but I found this story out of the EU times. I don't know if you're familiar with it. So I apologize if I'm blindsiding you. What it basically says is Germany now has a bill that would ban the sale of wood to the general public because they don't want people using it to heat their homes because they stopped their, um, their nuclear power, right? And that was a big deal in Germany. They got, they got rid of that and they're trying to push everyone to electric. So people started hoarding wood and starting using wood pellets for their stoves and, and, and going out and foraging wood and buying wood so they could heat their homes this past winter. But now they're saying, well, that may not be environmentally friendly. Have we hit the point of just not being serious about anything anymore?
3: I think so, and unfortunately, President Biden and many of my Democratic colleagues are in the same line as Germany. I mean, they want to ban American-made natural gas uh, that is used for a majority of producing our electricity here in the United States, and uh, they're pushing for uh, unreasonable expectations on all solar, all wind. Um, They have, my Democrat colleagues, have endorsed first new nuclear like uh, modular nuclear but but that's down the road. That's going to take years to implement. And so, you know, Germany shut down their last nuclear plant, and it's really opposite of what the other parts of Europe have done. For instance, I was just in Poland. They're ramping up their nuclear production. And so Germany is really interesting because they want to ban all kinds of things. People are desperate. They want to use wood pellets uh, to heat in Now they're saying, oh, you can't use that either. So what are they supposed to do?
1: So if I were to get out my tinfoil hat and polish it this early in the morning, I would say, well, it's about it's about control. Because if everyone is on the same system, you know, if everyone is forced to use electricity, right, you can very easily shut that down. Right. If you want to control the populace, what's one way to do it? That is one of the ways, that's one of the elements, because if they're freezing in the summer, uh, freezing in the winter, you know, and and really uh, dying of the heat in the summer, it's a great way to control behavior. Now, I realize that may be down the rabbit hole a little far for some people, but I don't understand it. I don't see any other explanation.
3: Well, you know, there's some – I can't speak for Germany, but I imagine it's the same as here. President Biden and some of my Democratic colleagues, they have this belief system, and it doesn't matter what reality is. It doesn't matter that it doesn't work. They want zero emissions by a certain date in the very near future, and they don't care what stands in its way. They don't care if the technology is not there. They don't care if people's electricity doesn't work. And, you know, as as was just projected again, another report said there's going to be electricity grid problems uh, this summer when the heat is high, you know, because of all of these crazy policies that are going on here in the United States. And Germany was just ahead of us. They've made some very poor decisions. They became really reliant on Russian oil. And And that really backfired on them. And now they got rid of their nuclear plant. So it's really hurting uh, the German citizens. And I don't want that to happen here in the United States. And that's why I've been pushing back on some of these radical policies that Biden and the Democrats are pushing, because it's not good. It's not good for Germany. It's not good for the United States.
1: No, it's not. And I will tell you, one of the one of the drums that I beat a lot is that Republicans are terrible at messaging. I, I don't hire me. I will do it for you. It's not that hard, but they're terrible at it. I mean, all they had, I would love to see advertisements that say, that say, do you know where electricity comes from? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all those are the only words you can put on big billboards. Do you know where electricity comes from? Cause most people don't know where it comes from and they don't understand that electricity doesn't, doesn't magically come out of the wall.
3: Yeah, you have so to
1: generate it somehow.
3: You're totally right. And a lot of people are pushing for all electric vehicles, but they don't realize that most of the electricity, at least in Arizona, comes from American made natural gas. So, you know, natural gas, and then in Arizona it's nuclear, then coal, then hydroelectric. They don't realize it has to come from somewhere. The other thing they don't realize is that the batteries, the lithium ion batteries that are used in electric vehicles, are most made in China. And China is increasing the amount of coal-powered electric plants that it has uh, on their grid because they need the electricity to make the batteries. So when they're pushing all of this stuff where the critical minerals like lithium are mostly processed in China or where uh, China produces most of these batteries, all they're doing is helping China and it's not helping reduce global emissions because China is increasing coal plants so none of this makes any sense at all
1: no, and you've got the whales and and dolphins dying off uh, the East Coast, New York, New Jersey, in that area, just record number, and we're just pretending that it has nothing to do with the sonar for, to map the ocean floor for wind farms. We're we're just going to pretend that that's not happening. Their their morals and their values are very fungible. Um, I I do want to get to the debt ceiling talks before uh, before you just run out of time talking about energy. Uh so so we've um, Kevin McCarthy came out and said no debt ceiling. Uh, deal yet, but he had productive talks uh, with Biden and his team, but he did threaten to cancel the Memorial Day vacation. Do you see us having a deal by June 1st?
3: That is really hard to say because I'm not in the room, and I don't think even Speaker McCarthy knows right now because it takes two to tangle, right? And so the Republicans have been the responsible adults in the room. We already passed a bill that increases the debt ceiling, but in exchange for that, does reasonable, responsible slowing down of -of out-of-control government spending. And so we've combined the two. We passed it out of the House. And now it's up to Biden to negotiate. And Kevin McCarthy has been asking for negotiations since January. And it's not till the last second that Biden has finally come to the table, but apparently still demanding all the stuff that he wants and not giving in on anything that Republicans want. Well, this is a divided government. The U.S. House of Representatives has a Republican majority. So we have a say in this, and we are the responsible ones. We cannot continue borrowing and not having any type of credit limit. This is like having a credit card with no limit, like un, no limit at all on a credit card, and you just go out and keep borrowing and borrowing and borrowing. Do you know that our interest on our national debt is soon expected to exceed our entire budget? budget for the Department of Defense. This is a national security risk, and we cannot continue down this path. We have to be responsible and rein in all of this out-of-control government spending.
1: Well, if we could keep the Pentagon from losing money and, you know, maybe passing an audit every now and then, we'd have more money. Uh, there, there's there's always that, and a lot of that has to do, obviously, irresponsible spending. Is it surpri- it's surprising to me and I and I'm maybe you don't want to answer this question, but it's surprising to me that Kevin McCarthy has performed the way he did. I'm pleasantly surprised. I didn't expect him to be a strong speaker, but to me he's he's stepping up to the plate, and Republicans seem to be hanging together, which is not something they're known for. Is that due to Kevin McCarthy's leadership?
3: Well, I think he's doing a really good job as well. And I think it's a combination of Kevin McCarthy's good leadership, but also a combination of a group of conservative folks that, are, that want to change the trajectory of this out-of-control government spending. And so when you have a block of conservatives, uh, you know, Kevin McCarthy uh, needs those for the votes that he needs. And so I think it's a combination of both, and, and I'm very pleased about it.
1: Yes. As I said, so am I. I was I did not have high hopes. And and so I have been pleasantly surprised if we do, quote unquote, default. uh, I'm hearing pictures of doom and gloom and, you know, frogs are going to rain from the skies and swarms of locusts and it's going to be terrible. We always hear about, oh, Social Security payments are going to stop. Unemployment payments are going to stop. We never hear about Congress's pay being stopped. Would that be a way for. Uh, Republicans maybe to win some public support uh, in in standing strong by saying, no, you know what, we're going to say that Congress has to stop. Congress, Congress is their pay is going to stop first. Yeah, that's well, that's, I'd probably, like
3: to that's probably a good idea. I mean, I don't know if we'd get the votes for it, but I think it's a good idea because it shows to the American public that we care about curbing government spending. And, um, and you know, most people, unfortunately, think that Congress members are, are not the greatest actors except for their own Congress members who they usually reelect. Right. But, you know, we have to put our money where our mouth is. And so I think that's probably a good idea now I hope we don't default and I don't know for sure if all this doom and gloom is reality or if it's just pushing us you know this alarmism I saw on the uh, one of the nightly news programs last night they had a woman on there saying oh she was gonna lose her husband's you know VA benefits or something which is just not accurate you know and so some of this is fear-mongering um, you know to try to break the Republicans but but, you know, as I've said before, our interest payment on our national debt is going to exceed the entire um, budget for the Department of Defense. That's not good. That That's scary. That's scary. We need to get this under control, and we can, and we've already passed a bill that will do it.
1: Yeah, well, best of luck with this. And again, I am so excited to see Republicans actually stand strong the way Democrats usually do. Democrats will line up and, you know... Republicans usually form a circular firing squad. So uh, this is this is a refreshing change, especially when it comes to spending, to your point, about the debt that we are we are handing down to our children and grandchildren. And most people don't realize that. I don't think most Americans understand that or know that. And I think it would behoove Republicans to really hammer hammer that message home to gain some some support from the American people on their stance. Congresswoman Debbie Lesko, thank you so
3: much for joining me. Thank you very much Mary. You have a great day. Uh, thank you.
1: All right. Let's let's we've got we've got uh, lieutenant colonel Allen West coming up, but if you want to stick a quick call in here, 866-408-7669 is my number. 866-408-7669. I am Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmead.
2: Both sides. All opinions. It's Brian Kilmead.
1: Hey folks, it's your man Keyshawn
4: Johnson here to talk about Angie formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services. Marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you. It's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house
2: He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade.
5: I think the tone tonight was better than any other time we've had discussions. I'll have um, Chairman Patrick McHenry come up and and talk a little bit about it as well, but I felt it was productive because, look, we both know, we've walked through this for a long time, where our differences? we're explaining them, we're, we're giving a give and take of... What we think would be best for moving the country forward. We still will have some philosophical differences, but I felt it was productive in that manner.
1: And that was Speaker Kevin McCarthy last evening after his um, meeting with the administration talking about the debt ceiling and what we're going to do about it. And uh, Kevin McCarthy said, look, if necessary, I will keep you. I'm going to keep you after school. (laughs) No Memorial Day vacation for you. And, you know, that's what they love to go home, which I get it. I understand that. So I think it's a it's a it's a nice way to kind of use his power to say, hey, we got to be serious. We got to get this done. Let's do it. We were just speaking with Congresswoman Debbie Lesko about the debt ceiling. 866 See what you have to say. Joel in South Bend, Indiana, listening on WTRC. Joel, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hello.
0: Hello. Thanks for taking the call. Of course. Um, I have a statistic that everybody needs to know and, and preach it loudly. That If you were to take a $100 bill and stack $100 bills up until it reached a trillion dollars, That would reach 630 miles. And if it's on the Internet, it must be true. But I've verified (laughs) this over many, many sites, and it's a fact that I can't get over. I mean, I can't drive down the road for five miles anymore and wondering how many dollars that is. I mean, we're not talking $1 bills. We're talking $100 bills. And everybody should know that. That puts it in perspective. We're like 19,000 miles in debt. I mean,
1: But, but here's the, here's the problem. Everybody wants theirs, right? So, so there, we, we become a society, that whole idea of John F. Kennedy asks not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. We've become a society of, okay, what are you going to give me? I want to get mine. That's what we do now. And Part of it, I understand, I've had conversations with friends who have worked their whole lives and they're sitting here saying, wait a minute, so now you're going to means test social security. Now you're going to means test Medicare, uh, their conversation when those conversations come up. So these other people are sitting here, they're not working. We're paying them not to work. I constantly see help wanted science, but uh, the responsible guys, the guy you're going to punish. So, so that attitude, I kind of get how it starts to, it used to be in just one segment of society, you know, the segment that didn't work. And made that a career. Now other segments of society are saying, wait a minute, I'm an idiot for working when everybody else is getting my money handed to them.
0: Exactly. You know, <laughs> I'm in Michigan and if I drive down to Florida, six hundred and thirty miles is about halfway. And it just um scares the heck out of me and it's also the realization that it's a debt that we will never pay back. And so what is the ultimate end of that? And That's the scary part for me, and I appreciate you taking my
6: call.
1: Yeah, no, thank you so much for putting it into perspective, Joel. I hate to say this, but I I look at these things and I hear these numbers, and I'm like, you know what? I'll be dead by the time it all goes south. That's just where I am right now because I kind of feel like you can't change it. It's not going to change. They're going to spend us into oblivion, and I sometimes wonder if that's part of the plan, crash the economy. Because if you crash the economy, it's an it's an excuse for the government to take control of everything, take control of businesses, private businesses, nationalize um, all sorts of things that are not nationalized now, and you know, Clower Piven get everybody fighting against each other, crash the economy, everybody becomes dependent on the government. I, I again. The congresswoman got my tinfoil hat out and polished early. Uh, But, you know, I sometimes look at it and say there's there's a large segment of society that doesn't want this to change. A lot of them are sitting in Congress and a lot of them are sitting on their butts right now, getting out of bed whenever they darn well feel like it. Their money's automatically deposited into their accounts. And that's that. I mean, I see help wanted signs everywhere I go. Where did all the workers go and and so you know we've got we've got people telling us well this is why we, this is why we need we need more illegals coming into this country we need more citizens no we have enough citizens we just don't have enough citizens who are working and this whole requiring work in order to collect you know in, in, in if you're sitting on your butt collecting welfare you got to work that's a, is somehow a radical idea. it's absolute lunacy all right coming up Lieutenant colonel. Alan West will be joining us. We're going to talk about some uh, red flag laws and the legality of that. Kind of scary. That's coming up next on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
4: Joe Biden and the radical left are attacking every single rung of the ladder that helped me climb. And that's why I'm announcing today that I'm running for president of the United States
1: of America. And that was Senator Tim Scott in Charleston, South Carolina, yesterday announcing his campaign to run for president. Let's talk about it with Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, American constitutional rights union executive director, former congressman in Florida and the House from 2011 to 2013 and author of the books Hold Texas, Hold the Nation, Victory or Death. And we can overcome an American black conservative manifesto. Follow him as I do on Twitter at Allen West. It's super simple. Uh, Sir, thank you for joining me. Glad to have you.
7: Mary, it's my pleasure. It's good to hear your voice.
1: Uh, Thanks so much. Uh, Let's let's talk about Tim Scott Mm -hmm. throwing his hat into the ring. He is currently polling, as we all know, at one percent. But now that he has thrown his hat into the ring, we may see that change. Uh, He's got some big backers. You've got Oracle's Larry Ellison uh, reportedly going to spend uh, somewhere between, willing to spend between twenty and thirty million, backing. Mm -hmm. Tim Scott, what are we to make of this? You know, I always thought Ron DeSantis was the guy everyone was going to back.
7: Yeah, it's pretty interesting, and we'll see what happens when Governor DeSantis uh, announces. But the thing you have to look at is, you know, what type of uh, bump do you get right after your announcement? You should see some type of rise in your polling. And of course, uh, Senator Scott's going to get out to, to Iowa and start prepping the uh, the battleground there and I'm sure on to New Hampshire. And, and the big event will be the first debate, which will be in Milwaukee uh, in August, you know, how he fares on, on the stage. So I think it's a great thing that we have a very deep bench. You have a very diverse group of individuals that are out there. But I'm going to be real honest. I still think it's a two-person race uh, between Governor DeSantis and former President Trump. And we'll see how that pans out. But uh, there's a dark horse in this race called Vivek Ramaswamy. And I think that more people are starting to pay attention to him than people believed at first.
1: I'm glad you mentioned him. I do like him. When he speaks, he says a lot of things that make a lot of sense to me, and I find myself going, yeah, you're absolutely right. So, so what I've heard so far of him, I, I do like, and I think he will do well in, in the, the debates. I think that's going to happen. Uh, here's the thing with Tim Scott. I like Tim Scott. To me, Tim Scott comes across as a second he doesn't come across as the primary guy. This is this is just my what I've seen of him so far. I think he's got good ideas. Um, I think he's yep. made a splash by working with Trump on the um, the enterprise zones. I think he really got his name yep. out there, name recognition. But he doesn't. To me, he doesn't have the charisma that is needed to be a first.
7: Well, I will tell you this: having you know served in the uh, military for twenty two years, you know I look through the prism of who can be a commander in chief who can really get our national security back uh, where it needs to be and uh, that capability capacity, who can be that uh, person on the foreign policy stage that restores our respect and regard on the interna- in the international arena. So I think those are two very important things because the most important title that a president has in, in my terms is being commander-in-chief of our armed forces. And right now, our military forces are suffering. As uh, everyone knows, the retention and recruitment race are down so how do we have someone that can inspire people and get our department of defense back focused on their core mission and not this ideological agenda of wokeness
1: and, you know, Tim Scott has a very compelling story, right? His, mm-hmm. he, his single mom, he saw her work hard. She worked her way up. It's kind of very reminiscent of Ben Carson, Dr. Carson, right? Yep. Um, I, I think yep. that um, that Tim Scott has more of a personality to be a first than than even Dr. Ben Carson, who I think is crazy smart, incredible story. But I just want to play this for you. That's It's cut for Eric. This is the, the kind of welcome he got on the view. The yapping go at it, right? <laughs> I know. I know. But, yeah. but you know, this is this is kind of, I think, a bellwether for the way the left plays racism. They are, when you listen to them, they're yeah. incredibly racist. And if anyone on the right said something like this about um, a black candidate for Democrat, um, they, they would ha- lose their minds. Here, here are Sonny Hostin and Whoopi Goldberg. One of the issues that Tim Scott um, has is that he seems to
8: think because I made it, everyone can make it, ignoring, again, the fact that he is the exception and not the rule. And until he is I, the rule, he has... then he can stop talking about systemic racism. He's got Clarence Thomas syndrome.
1: He's <laughs> got Clarence Thomas syndrome. So we're supposed to believe that if you're black, you never make it in this country. You can never make it. That's insanely racist.
7: Mm-hmm. Well, it is. And that's the soft bigotry of low expectations. And what Sonny Hostin and Wickby Goldberg represent. They're the overseers on the left 21st century economic plantation that tells blacks you can't make it uh, off of this plantation and yeah maybe one or two can but overall you cannot do it and you need you know other people to continue to get this slave and victim mentality rhetoric out there uh to, to keep you on that plantation and so it is disgusting when you see that and you hear that but you know, if it's anything that Tim Scott's going to bring out, is that real racism, just the same as Vivek Ramaswamy has brought that out, and Nikki Haley has brought that out, not just the racism, but also the sexism. And mm-hmm. and so when if there's anything, when you start talking about the party of systemic racism— It's the Democrat Party. I mean, you look at their history and they continue to not want to see successful black men and women, conservative black men and women, uh, because they define success as you care in the ward of our ideological agenda.
1: Yeah. And and when you said it's it's successful, black men and women, people of color who are running as Republicans. That's the difference. You know, they're, 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 it's great. They're black, but they're not the right kind of black. Or they're women, but they're not, right, oh, not the, the right kind Negro. of we're women. we the
7: bad Negroes. we yes. the bad Negroes. It, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's just, you know, think about what Joe Biden said about Barack Obama, that he was clean and articulate and other. If anyone else had said that, they would have been going apoplectic. If a Republican had said that about me or Tim Scott or whatever, they said, "Look at this racist comment," but they get away with all of this stuff all of the time.
1: Why? Why do there? Why? And I know we're off on a tangent here. There's so many things I wanted to talk to you about. And we're not going to get to. But why? Why is it that their voters, their supporters, who will scream racism at everybody else, give them a free pass and and kind of walk away from it? Even Charlemagne the God away from it
7: well it is kind of this uh what's that stockholm syndrome where you have been so ingrained by your kidnapper and a kidnapper and your captor that you see nothing wrong with them and you start to accept their abhorrent behavior and that's what has happened but you know if we could just get 20 to 25 percent of uh the eyes of the inner city community to open up You know, you look at the crime, you look at the lack of economic opportunity, you look at the the educational opportunity. I mean, the teachers unions don't care about little black boys and girls in the inner city. They want to keep them in failing schools. So the more we can talk about this, the more we can turn it around. Will you get everyone? No. But you can really put a dent in the left's uh, battleship.
1: Yeah, and you, may, you make a good point there. Republicans need to get out and go into the inner cities. They need yeah. to start going to these churches. They need to go campaign in those inner cities because I think there is an audience, especially among Hispanics, who who yeah. really are conservative, and they don't even know it, though. But if you, if you ask them about their values and you speak to conservative values, they realize they actually are conservative. They're Republicans. They're not Democrats.
7: Yes, it's time to stop listening to the D.C. consultants and the political consultant class and take your message to every single corner of this country because people, when you talk about their principles and values, you can can meet them there. You can align with them there. And I don't believe that anyone wakes up and they want to be a victim, but if they only hear the message of victimhood, that's the message they're going to go with. But we need to have a message of being a victor. And that is what really upset those ladies on The View was that Tim Scott was talking about you can do this you can be a victor you don't have to be a victim and that's why those overseers on this new plantation it just sends them into a rage
1: yeah well thinking upsets them mightily too uh very quickly, one more point, and I swear we'll let you go. Um, Donald uh-huh. Trump had an interesting response to Tim Scott announcing that he is uh, throwing his hat into the ring. He said, good luck to Senator Tim Scott in entering the Republican presidential primary race. He posted this on Truth Social. It is rapidly loading up with lots of people, and Tim is a big step up from Ron DeSanctimonious, who is totally unelectable. <laughs> what do we make of this? Does he not see Tim Scott as a threat, so I might as well praise him? Well, I don't think
7: that you want to go down that rabbit hole uh, because you do have the the uh, efforts that they worked together on previously, especially with the uh, economic opportunity zones and the urban centers. So uh, Tim Scott, you gain nothing out of attacking Tim Scott and going after Tim Scott. Does President Trump see him as less of a threat? Probably so. But the biggest thing is that he would gain nothing by, you know, attacking
9: Senator Tim Scott.
1: I see. I see Trump taking him as his second taking him as his vp
7: that's a that's a, that's a possibility I, I mean i don't we got to look at what that really does bring for you uh would that help him in in the south would that help him uh with the uh, urban black demographic and so those are the things that people look at with a vice president is you know what's the value added to, of that person to a ticket
5: Right.
1: Oh, it's so interesting. It's early on, but we love this, don't we? Yes. Uh, the, the the political nerds that we all are, we, we just love this. We're coming into our season, which seems to run year-round, yeah. um, but we're coming into it now. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it, and have, have a great rest of your Always. week. Always.
7: Thank you, Mary. God
1: bless. God bless you. All right. Your calls, 866-408-7669, 866-408-7669. Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Open phones right now. I am ripe to be taken advantage of. Take advantage. 866-408-7669. It's Brian Kilmeade. From his mouth to your ears, ears. it's Brian Kilmeade.
1: I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. Also, just a quick note. I do have a podcast. It airs tonight, 715. It is live on YouTube and Getter. Uh, It's 715 Eastern Time. Just go to YouTube or Getter and just look for Mary Walter or Mary Walter Radio, and and it will come up. And then the audio is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, an hour or so after the actual podcast. Love to have you join me. So we were just speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Alan West uh, about uh, Tim Scott throwing his hat into the ring to run in the 2024 election for president. So what's interesting is there's another organization called No Labels. And, you know, a lot of Americans say, oh, I want to see a third party. I want to see a third party. But I don't know if we really want to see a third party. I don't know if we can ever break out of the the um, the cycle that we're in now. We've gotten into this two-party system, and that's kind of where it's settled out. Now, I am not declared. I, I am undeclared. I'm an indep- You can't be an independent in the state of New Jersey. You can only be undeclared. So I'm Unaffiliated, undeclared, because uh, I don't want to pick a party. To me, Republicans, you know, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory way too often. It's like being a Mets fan. Poor Mets. Um, and the Democrats definitely do not align with my values. But there's a new organization called No Labels, and it's they're they're claiming to be the voice of the common sense majority. And they're working to provide what they call an insurance policy for 2024. And they want to get a place on the ballot in all 50 states where they provide voters with a bipartisan, middle of the road slate of candidates. And you see the names Joe Manchin. Now, I kind of like Joe Manchin. Don't like him on everything, but I kind of like Joe Manchin. And Larry Hogan. I like Larry Hogan. Not a Larry Hogan fan. Sorry. Nope. Not a fan. Uh, so those are, but those are just names and they think that the time now is right for a third party or a third choice and they've done a ton of vote. They did, they did a huge poll and they, this poll suggests that the time is right. They they did a nationwide poll of more than 26,000 registered voters last December and they say that the data shows that a common sense candidate, a common sense ticket candidate could win because a large majority of registered voters think the U.S. is headed in the wrong direction. I think mo- a lot of people think the U.S. is headed in the wrong direction. Count me in there, uh, including 50, 65% of independents and 86% of Republicans. Now, will those Republicans not want to elect Donald Trump to fix the problem? Well, you don't know. If the election were held today, their poll shows it's pretty much a dead heat with Biden capturing 42% of the vote and Trump 43 Their survey also found that Trump would win, though, because he would get 276 electoral votes compared to Biden's 262. But they also found that a common sense majority ticket would blow both candidates away. They gave them that option of a third common sense ticket, and they found 286 electoral college votes from moderate states, states that are solidly moderate. I think there are a lot of people, I know people who don't want to choose whether I hate Trump. I'm like, uh, okay, the, the whole I hate Trump thing, I just don't understand. Y- you know, I, I don't know. I, I just do not understand that mentality. doesn't work for me. Don't get it. But there are people who are like that and choose to not vote, which I just think is irresponsible. Because if you don't vote, then you have no right to complain. I I, I just think I was just raised that it's a responsibility. It's a right, but it's a responsibility as well. And it's a responsibility to be informed. What do you think about a third party ticket? I just thought that was so interesting and I wanted to share that with you. I just don't know if you can find people because even though I'm independent, I have found that the Democrats have pushed me further to the right, right? I, I was never, I never ever considered myself conservative, now, maybe it's because I've gotten older. As you grow older, you become more conservative. But I think you become more conservative as you get older because the world gets nuttier, right? Like the crazies get crazier. The people who live to challenge the system or to challenge you know, the, what they see as the establishment get nuttier. But we're in a period now where the people who are doing that are for the establishment. They love the big government. They want the government to solve all their problems. They love an authoritarian government and they cheer them on and they challenge the conservatives, right? Like it, it's weird. It's it's a weird thing that's happening now, but this idea to continually shock. So I think now, you know, my, my function of getting older and becoming more conservative yes it's because i'm getting older but i also think it's because of the degree which we have hurtled to crazy town on the train is just at such lightning speed that it's overwhelming right It's just overwhelming. Look at what's happening with, you know, you've got Target selling women's bathing suits for men. And I look at the picture, I'm like, oh, well, there's, there's extra room. There's a pouch down below for things that I don't have. So that's going to be a little awkward and that's going to look a little weird. And there's no room on top for the equipment I do have. Right. So, but there's a dude. Modeling this thing and it's clearly a woman's one piece bathing suit and I think you know women start to feel erased you're hearing that more and more like wait a minute I there's no such thing as a woman anymore why when did I become erased how did that happen now I no longer exist so I think as more and that's just an example of these crazy things that are happening I know like say you know war on religion the children say the government's saying no there are children wait what we know more about raising kids than you do So I don't know, maybe a third party is the answer. you got to think about it. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: From the Fox News Radio Studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show, Brian Kilmeade.
1: Yes, I am Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade today, so happy to be with you. Uh, coming up later this hour, we're going to be joined by Adam Zivo from the National Post and the Washington Examiner uh, with a really interesting piece about pediatric trans care and a theory that it may just be a way to avoid coming out as gay, which is apparently seen as less desirable. Super interesting. Never knew this was, existed, uh, but we're we're going to get more information from him. So that's coming up. But right now, we're joined by Jim Parkman. He is a federal criminal defense attorney. Lots to talk about, Jim Parkman. Welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. How are you?
10: Mary, I, Mary I'm doing great. How are y'all this morning?
1: I'm doing just Oh, with that accent, I love it. I, I am such a sucker. I think everyone loves that Southern accent, so you can talk as much as you want. Oh,
10: yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it's amazing because we don't think we have an accent. That's what's
11: funny.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> that is fine wait. so so let, let, let's talk about the the big ho- I guess the biggest legal case right now in the country that a lot of oh. people are talking about is the Daniel Penny case. Daniel yeah, Penny, it's... the former Marine or he's not a former Marine because once a Marine always a Marine, 24 years old young guy on a sub a subway car in New York which by the way, I used to ride the subway all the time when I was in when I was in Manhattan. Um, you know since the pandemic haven't been in Manhattan a lot. And I mean, I was never really afraid then at that point in time, I wrote it at one o'clock in the morning, was never really afraid. I was aware of my surroundings, but I never felt fearful. Now I will not even walk down into the subway if I have to go wow. into Manhattan. Not happening because I don't have the time to fill out the paperwork if and when I get stabbed. So here, wow. here you're, you're enclosed in this. If you've never ridden the New York City subway, you're enclosed in the, in this metal container and you could see the walls of the of of the tunnel right outside your window. So even if you can open the door, you can't get out. And you're with a group of people you don't know. And this crazy person starts talking about ready to go to jail because I need this, I need that, and threatening passengers. Uh, Daniel Penny, now why is he being charged? I don't understand it.
10: Oh, that you know that's a great question. Uh, you know, it looks like to me, it looks like to me that what what should take place if you if you actually believe that there's charges there, manslaughter, whatever else, that the DA should have just taken it to the grand jury, not said a whole lot, presented what's the evidence, presented the videos, presented what happened on the train, presented how the man acted. And let the grand jury make that decision and don't leave it up to one person to make that in a case like this, because they're just, they're, there's sides that are for sides that are against sides that believe you ought to be charged sides that said he's not supposed to be side, you know, so why not just leave it up to the grand jury and keep your mouth quiet and let them make that decision, and then release that from there. If they enter a no bill, then tell the world he was no bill by the grand jury. If it's true bill, tell them we got a true bill, and we'll arrest him, and we'll take it on to court from there.
1: But this isn't about justice, is it? No. And that's the problem. No. This is a political decision. Have we lost no. our judicial system in this country?
10: Yes. Absolutely.
1: And, you and know, Go ahead, I'm sorry. Go
10: ahead. Go ahead,
1: Mary. No, no so, so I was going to say, if we've lost our judicial system in this country, you're called a conspiracy theorist when you say, well, you know what? Durham couldn't get a jury that would would go after anyone that he brought to trial, if, especially if it's held in D.C., the January 6th defendants. The, the jury isn't, is is you know going to go talk. They recess to go to adjourn, to go talk about the evidence presented, and within 30 minutes they're back with guilty on all counts. So there's, no, yeah. there's not serious justice being meted out. Same thing in New York look at donald trump right they're gonna they, you can indict a ham sandwich they're gonna indict him on everything they possibly can because a grand jury will just hand it over could that i wonder if that is possibly the reason why it did to your point it did not go to a grand jury because they were afraid that a grand jury maybe would not hand down uh an indictment which is what they wanted
10: that's correct you know i hate to I hate to to break it to america but Uh, You know, one of the greatest ways politically to get rid of a case that a prosecutor does not want to have lingering around in his office is to take it to a grand jury and have them no bill it. That way he is able to say to the American public, hey, the grand jury no billed it. There's nothing I can do about it. Uh, I can't do anything after that. It's dismissed. And this is used all the time in our country to do that. And I just don't understand why they just didn't wait, take it to a grand jury. And I'm not saying no billet. I'm just saying take it to a grand jury, present the evidence, and let the grand jurors make that decision. But what happened is you hit the nail on the head. This is not an ordinary manslaughter case. This is a political case. And yeah. so what's happened is taken a, a, a role of its own. And so now, you know, somebody in the prosecutor's office wants to indict the kid. And, you know, and, and by the way, I'm very sympathetic toward the kid being a Marine because my son is, was a Marine, always a Marine. And so, you know, I I understand what he did and I understand the reaction that he had. Uh, But I think it's just gotten to where now politics plays too much of a role in in certain cases, not all cases, but certain cases.
1: Yeah, it's it's very, very sad. And if you want want to watch something really creepy, there is a 1967 movie called The Incident. That is basically exactly what happened in the Danny Penny case, in this case. Uh um it, it's black and white it was built 1967 and it depicts wow. 14 riders on a late night new york city subway car and these two quote-unquote thugs get on they were played by martin sheen and tony Masanti. so um what what happens is in the beginning of the movie those two martin sheen those two characters um rob and severely beat up wound um an elderly man in an alley but of course, nobody knows that. And then right. the next 40 minutes, you you meet each one of the people, the riders of the subway car and their lives and now they're just ordinary people, right? Then those guys, the two, the two criminals get on the train last and then you see them torment the people on the subway car, mentally threatening them. They go from, from person to person threatening them. And when the car train train stops, they don't let them off the train. So it, it, it's very interesting because it, it, it pretty much, and what happens is is that an Army Private First Class, played by Bo Bridges, who at the time was really young, stands up to him, incapacitates uh, the, the two guys, and possibly kills them. So, wow, this is, is this life imitating art or <laughs> the other way around, right?
10: That is absolutely unbelievable. I, I have not heard of this movie. Yeah. There's, that's huh. unbelievable.
1: There is, there's a piece by Greg Opelka in the Wall Street Journal, an opinion piece that talks about this, and I had never heard of it either. And you can find it on YouTube. It's uh, the film's uh, long; it's it's over in you know an hour. It's probably over two minute uh, two. It's close to two hours. Uh, but yeah. wild, just absolutely crazy, wild that we that you know this has become reality, you know 60, 70, 65 years later, insane. You know
10: it's it's amazing. Because generally, we take movies from actual events that have happened, and now we're we're having actual events take place from movies.
1: Yeah, that they thought were absolutely crazy.
10: That's, That's totally, totally reversed in
1: nature. Yeah. So very quickly, before I lose, it, run out of time here, just sanctuary yeah. cities, I just want to touch on san- sanctuary cities with you because we have, you know, Chicago, they're sleeping in the uh, police oh. headquarters. Oh, yeah. You've got Amer- Mayor Eric Adams here. This is Cut 19. I just want you to hear this. Here's where he yeah. places the blame for all of the illegals that are showing up in his sanctuary city.
4: Republicans, have, as we know, have blocked all attempts at fixing our broken immigration system. Intentionally causing chaos and dysfunction. We cannot believe all of a sudden that's going to change with the Republican-controlled Congress.
1: So he blames the Republicans, but he's the one who declared, sure. they, they probably declared themselves sanctuary cities. And now you've got other counties say we're not a sanctuary city. So, you, so you've got all this, um, I guess, division. So what happens with our immigration laws and with these sanctuary cities? Can we just keep shipping them to them, or is that something that's that you see coming to an end?
10: I, right now, I don't see it coming to an end. I, I don't see any plan that has come up that can replace what's being happening right now.
1: But the legality of it, do you see it being successfully, I guess, challenged in a court of law that some that one of these cities will successfully challenge the busing of these people to their cities?
10: Probably. Probably I do. But the problem with that's going to be, what are you going to do, you know, in exchange for that?
1: Mm -hmm.
10: Where are you going to send people? Right. What are you going to do with them? You, You can go in and. Chicago can, can can fight it and say, hey, they're sending these up. We don't want these here. Great. Now, where do we go from here? And I've seen no plan whatsoever. Maybe you have, Mary. I hope you have.
1: <laughs> no, I got nothing. But,
10: I got nothing. I got crickets. <laughs> and, and And until they come up with something, you know, it's just going to continue to be a mess.
1: Yeah, up is down and down is up when it comes to the law in this country. When you look at the Daniel Penny case, you look at what's happening with immigration. If a homeless person wanted to walk into a Chicago police station and just camp out there, they would be thrown out. But because because they're illegal and they don't speak English and they just come in here and say, oh, illegal, illegal, they can just walk in. And and, And, and that to me is, is just the insanity of the times in which we live where if you're a legal citizen you don't get the benefits that people who are in the country illegally are if you save people's lives on a subway where people say yeah this guy was threatening us was, was threatening to do us harm you're the one who winds up perp walked it none of it makes any sense and i don't know how we put the genie back in the bottle at all right i, I, I don't, right I don't now, know how we do it
10: uh, right now it's going to take it's going to take in my opinion, it's, it's, it's going to take what it always has taken, and that is 12 people serving on a jury saying, no, we're not going to listen to this anymore. We're through. Yeah, this wow. is over. You can bring it, but, but no, you're out, of, you're out of bounds, and that's what it's going to take in our country.
1: Yeah, we've got we got to turn this ship around. Thank you so That's much, right. Jim Parkman, federal criminal defense oh, attorney. Appreciate your insight, and thank you for joining me on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Have thank a great you week.
10: you, Mary. You do too. Thank, thank you, you, Thank you.
1: Eight, six, six, four, zero, eight, seven, six, six, nine is my number. Eight, six, six, four, zero, eight, seven, six, six, nine. If you want to talk about sanctuary cities, if you want to talk about Daniel Penny, the state of law and order in this country or the lack thereof. And and let's talk about our big cities, because I will tell you, I will not go into Manhattan unless I absolutely positively have to. You see the same things happen in Philadelphia. There are Kensington, there are entire neighborhoods now that are being taken over but this ties in with the election, I think, because those are poor neighborhoods. They tend to be black neighborhoods, right? And now they're being overrun. They're the dumping ground. Democrats are dumping on them. And I think Republicans can take advantage of this. eight six six I'll get your calls coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Brian Kilmeade, 866-408-7669. We were just speaking with uh, Jim Parkman, and we discussed sanctuary cities and the legality of that, and, and also just the legal system when you, in light of uh, Daniel Penny and uh, other things that you know tied in with immigration and how they have more rights than we do, and it just seems to be the world turned upside down. Laura in the Bronx wants to discuss that. Laura, you're on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi.
8: Hi.
1: Uh, I just spoke to
8: um, your co-worker, and I said to him that I'm angered by the fact that all of a sudden Jordan Neely's family is out there wanting to sue, and they're so concerned. And how, why was Jordan Neely homeless? Um, I have a brother that has mental illness and schizophrenia. We never left him out on the street or on a train where he would harm anybody or himself. And now these people are coming out and they're angered at Daniel Penny, who was there to protect people, uh, train ride, people that go out on the train every day and you have to go back and forth to work or school. But meanwhile, when their, their family member was mentally ill, they didn't have him hospitalized, which is not an easy thing to do. It takes it takes a village, but you get him hospitalized if he's ill. You can I mean, bring him into your home and that's also very difficult. But we did it. We did it. My brother was
1: sick, he was ill, and he
8: didn't harm anybody or himself.
1: Right. Uh, but here's the thing, we're kinda of losing your connection there, Laura. Sorry about that. here's the thing's a lot of people saying, you know, where was the family? Where's the family? They only show up when, you know, they see the American lottery and ba boom, cha ching, I'm gonna become a gazillionaire, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be worth millions. Yes. I, I I, have a, I, I can kind of see both sides. You know, God bless you for what you did for your brother. But I think there are some people who just don't have the resources to do that, right? And I think we, we hear stories a lot, especially parents of these kids who are troubled, who say, I tried to get him help, tried to get him help. Nobody would help me. It's hard. But I also don't think it's the government's d- d- responsibility to take care of our problems. That's just, the, I just don't believe that's their job. I really don't. Guard the borders, you know, have the army, that kind of stuff. But the day-to-day stuff, it's incumbent upon us and families. They could have fed him. They didn't feed him. The guy was hungry. He wanted food. His family didn't step up to feed him, right? Where were they? Why was he hungry? If I had a brother who had mental health issues and I couldn't keep him in my home because maybe he was violent or whatever, I would at least feed him, right? His lawyer, it comes out and says, well, no one on that train asked him if they could help him. Who in their right mind talks to a crazy person? If you've ever been in Manhattan or any big city, you know, you keep your eyes down and you don't make eye contact because you don't want them to bash you in the head with a brick or something right? you never make eye contact with a crazy person. You don't know if they're violent or not. So you don't make eye- So it's it's incumbent upon the people in the, the train car to ask if, if, you know, what can I do to help you? Even if I had food, I wouldn't hand it to him because I would be afraid that now he's, I'm his target. Now he's looking at me and he's not going to suddenly have a moment of lucidity and say, oh, what a kind lady. No. And and I honestly think that if they get a jury of their peers, if they get a jury of New Yorkers who have actually ridden the subway, they're probably, this this case probably doesn't go anywhere, but it just angers me that there's even this case to begin with shouldn't be it just shouldn't be coming up Adam Zivo uh, with the National Post and the Washington Examiner will be joining us talking about something that's going on in England where pediatric trans care is being looked at as conversion therapy so your kid's not gay that's next on the Brian Kilmeade show
2: Radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
1: I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. You can follow me on Twitter at Mary Radio. This next guest has something very interesting. I found fascinating. He's a columnist at the National Post and a contributor to the Washington Examiner. Adam Zevo, follow him on on Twitter at Zevo Adam. So there you go. Adam Zevo, thank you so much for joining me.
12: Thanks for having me.
1: This is, you have a piece in the National Post. This is super interesting. I've never heard of this before. And you talk about a publicly funded clinic in England uh, called Tavistock. And this was a a gender care clinic. It's now closed and it's been replaced with something else. And for years, there were allegations at this uh, gender, pediatric gender clinic that they were they were pushing transitioning in lieu of their of, in lieu of saying that the children were gay. Like these are these are children. The allegation is that the, there were a lot of children who came here who were gay and were pushed to transition because now they're heterosexual and that is more preferable than being gay. This is wild. Could you please give us the details?
12: Sure. So the underlying problem here is something known as the affirmative model for transgender care. The idea is that if someone says they're trans, you're not supposed to question that. You're not supposed to look at why they might be identifying as trans. You just affirm them and then push them into medical transition. So that model was applied in the UK up until very recently, until a number of scandalous reports showed that it was disastrous. And the thing is that many youth would come in, and they'd be gender nonconforming. so you'd have effeminate boys and you know butch girls and they wouldn't feel comfortable in their bodies they'd be bullied and they would be you know they'd say that okay maybe i'm trans and be told okay yes you are trans but it seems that in many cases these kids were not trans but rather they were just gender nonconforming gays and lesbians uh, who had been bullied so severely about their sexual orientation and about you know not conforming to what we think a normal man or normal woman should look like, that they wanted some sort of escape. And the internet told them that they were trans because you know, they didn't act like a regular boy or girl. And then these clinicians, uh, this, this clinic basically said, well, okay, uh, we're gonna push you into medical transition and that's it. So uh, the clinicians actually started to feel, a significant number of them started to feel very uncomfortable and felt like pediatric gender care, at least that, that was practiced in the UK, was de facto gay conversion therapy.
1: So interesting. Because there's just so much to unpack here. So it kind of makes sense to me. I kind of get it exactly what you're saying because you look at some of these these kids who are doing this and you you've got all right so for instance there's there's someone that i know of not close to just know of, beautiful girl young daughter very into makeup because very very directionless i think and you know is transitioning to be a boy but has a girlfriend who's also transitioning to be a boy. And I'm like, wait, so are you lesbians? Are you gay? What is going on here? I don't understand. Because right now they're both technically girls and still have all their girl parts. And they're living together in a romantic relationship. So I'm like, well, and I don't ask the question because you don't want to ask that question because I really don't know these people. So you don't ask the question. But in my brain, I'm like, wait, so you're gay. So just be gay. But but we don't do well, that well, in this country either, do we? This is something that's happening in this country as well. We're just not calling it out for what it is.
12: Well, it, it's a new kind of homophobia, and there's also a lot of sexism involved as well. So uh, another thing that was mentioned in the reports on this clinic is that many of the patients were young girls who had experienced sexual trauma Uh, or had eating disorders, and obviously didn't feel comfortable with their bodies. They didn't Mm -hmm. feel comfortable being women. Um, and, and, And it's very understandable that a young girl who has been victimized, you know, may want to identify as a man as a way to protect themselves. And that's something which should have been explored and which clinicians actually begged upper management to explore in many cases. But that was ignored because the affirmative model said, well, if they say they're trans, we just have to... Push them onto puberty blockers and not really explore their mental health and, and any other comorbidities. It, it was appalling. You
1: said- and I watch, you know, I watch my 600 pound life. You see that in that as well, where especially women who have been sexually abused and the men who have been sexually abused. It's amazing the number of these morbidly obese people who have gone through some kind of trauma like that in their lives where they were, they were abused as a child by, you know, a family member, a close family friend, that kind of thing. And so they, they try to make themselves as unattractive as possible. A lot of the women, when they go to therapy will say, you know, I knew that I could keep people away from me if they don't want. To look at me if they don't want to be near me so it sounds very much like that but I guess the question so so in this country are we not don't we have the same model gender affirming care I hear it all the time gender affirming care my kid says that he or she is now she or they and 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 so off to the doctor we go and we're going to have that fixed too sweet
12: Well, I I mean, gender-affirming care is not necessarily the same as the affirmative model. Gender-affirming care is an umbrella of, you know, different interventions that help kids understand their their relationship with their gender and you know some gender affirming care can be quite useful for example models of pediatric gender care where they give kids space to actually understand their relationship with their gender and you know say it's okay to have whatever relationship you do have just don't you don't have to feel pressure to identify any particular way you know a more thoughtful and patient approach the affirmative model is a specific kind of approach to gender affirming care where you basically just reflexively affirm someone's self ID, uh, okay. they say they're transgender, you can okay. say that's the case. And, and that model is not really effective.
1: No, because we're allowing 12 year olds to decide you know, the rest of their lives doesn't make any sense. There is, um, you're seeing a division, I think, in the LGBTQ what, uh, community, the alphabet community, where the gays and the lesbians seem to not be on board with the whole trans ideology. Yet it seems that the trans community has really taken over the entire movement. How does that play out, and why is the gay and trans community, do you think, not really on board with any of this? I I have gay friends who think the idea that a man, a biological man, can compete in women's sports is just absolutely outrageous. You see Caitlyn Jenner talking about that all the time. There's that divide, but yet the trans community seems to be running the show.
12: Well, so, you know, I'm part of that I'm one of the gays who was a bit more skeptical of the trans community. I mean, fundamentally, I still support them, and I want them to have the best possible lives that they can have. But the trans community really came to dominate the LGBTQ activism scene after same-sex marriage was legalized. Because when same-sex marriage was legalized, a lot of the gays and lesbians uh, basically said, okay, we're done, we wash our hands, we go, and we just live life normally. Um, And so when they left the scene, a lot of people who were more marginalized, you know, maybe felt like they were betrayed. uh, There was a bit of a gap and trans rights suddenly became the main thing, Um, which, you know, there's certain virtues to that, but the, the kind of militant strain of trans activism, which is very popular right now has alienated many gays and lesbians. Uh, who feel as if their rights aren't being properly advocated for, you know, one aspect of it being this sort of new conversion therapy. But also there's been an attempt to erase gays and lesbians from their own history. This idea that gays and lesbians owe all of their rights to trans activists, which is just factually untrue. So there's more of a tension here. And and it's like um, two family members who are irritated with each other and unsure how they're going to move forward. You know, even the people who are gays and lesbians who – are angry at trans activists still understand the need for their rights it's just the question of what does that relationship look like
1: so you know one thing and, and we're, we're i'm up against the club but one thing we're not talking about is actual biological women who are literally being forced off the stage or off the podium and the, the latest case is um a transgender cyclist named Leslie Mumford transitioned started to transition in 2017 while a team leader for Colorado SWAT. So this is not a, a feminine man at all. And uh, one uh, has now decided that he's he's going to compete in the women's cycling, or she is going to compete in the women's cycling uh, divisions, and even though they have a transgender group. Still chose to cycle with the women and then and beat the, the next the first woman who came the woman who came in second, the biological woman by 17 minutes and the biological women would not get up on the podium. They they boycotted it. They walked away. How, I mean, how much, how much more can biological women take before being supplanted by biological men who are saying that they're women before this all finally breaks this damn breaks? Because I think they're pushing it too far.
12: Well, you know, as a guy, I only have so much insight into this. What I can say uh, when it comes to the lesbian community is that there's increasing resentment because many lesbians feel as if their sexual autonomy is not being respected or rather their sexual barriers. Uh, Many of them feel as if they're being pressured to like biological men and have sex with biological men uh, and being told that if they don't like quote-unquote girl dick, that they are transphobic. And, you know, for many of these lesbians, this is traumatizing because lesbians spent decades being able to, you know, advocating for themselves and saying, we don't like dick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we're fine. Like, that shouldn't mean that we should be subject to violence or yeah. stigmatized. And they are being pressured to like dick, again, okay. in this
1: more like woke. We we just just gotta watch the language just a little bit for me. Uh, I, I I understand what you're saying, uh, but I, I I wonder if it's just gonna make quote unquote strange bedfellows in the sense that you're gonna start to see especially the lesbian community, kind of team up with, with the straight biological women and fight, fighting for the same cause, which is to not be erased, which is pretty much what is happening at, at this point in the game. I think a lot of biological women feel that way. Adam Zivo, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much. You can read his piece in the National Post, Pediatric Trans Care is Often Conversion Therapy for Gay Children. Uh, super interesting and was really an eye-opener for me, and it's something to watch coming up. Thank you so much. Have a great week.
12: Thanks for
1: having me. Absolutely. 866-408-7669 is my number. 866-408-7669. Get to your calls coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Expanding your knowledge base. It's The Brian Kilmeade Show. The more you listen... The more you'll know, it's Brian Kilmeade.
1: And I'm Mary Walter, sitting in for Brian Kilmeade, 866-408-7669. Quick reminder, I do have a podcast on Tuesday night, so tonight's the night. 7:15 7.15 Eastern Time, 7.15 p.m. Eastern. You can watch live on YouTube and get her. Just look for Mary Walter or Mary Walter Radio should pop right up. i have some interesting guests, names you know. And uh, then the audio will be up on Apple Podcasts and Spotify about an hour or so after the actual uh, podcast. You can go back and watch old episodes, listen to old episodes as well. I'd appreciate that. Uh, we were uh, earlier discussing justice in this country. We were talking about Daniel Penny and and how the world's turned upside down and immigrants uh illegal immigrants who are here and they just can, can just camp out in the police station but if you're homeless you can't just camp out in the police station and it's the world turned upside down and robert's listening on wabc in new york a proud sanctuary city uh robert you're on the brian kilmeade show hello
13: hi good morning uh you sound like you're doing good so far uh, thank I you i like hearing you thank you uh I've done a legal analysis, which Rudy Giuliani agrees with me, about the migrant situation. Mm -hmm. We have to get a grip on this problem before it spins out of control. And we have more serious problems now. Illegal immigration has been, is now and always will be, a law enforcement problem. And that's from two two points, public safety and national security. The local jurisdictions, states, counties, and other municipalities have the right to protect their borders, communities, et cetera, uh, however they're defined. Mm -hmm. They do have the right to detain persons in their encounters who are migrants and they can uh fingerprint photograph check them for communicable diseases and also give have them take required vaccinations to enter this country Uh these are actions they can take independently of the federal government and
1: do you think, But here's the thing. I, I don't think Mayor Eric Adams is someone who would support the police in doing that. Mayor Eric Adams seems to me to be a guy who would probably prosecute a police officer for unlawful detention or something along those lines. And then that police officer is going to have to fight the legal battle while his life is ruined. So I can understand why an officer would say, you know what, I'm not doing it. If you don't care enough about the city of New York to, to where you have the power, Mayor Eric Adams, to do this, why should I?
13: It depends what jurisdiction you're in. You have to have the support of the local political leaders who will order the police departments to take such actions. Now, these municipalities, once there's a finding of ineligibility, a person who has entered the country illegally has a, a felony record, they're a uh, murderer, a right. rapist. Right. Uh, et cetera, uh, fugitives from justice. Yes. They're, they're ineligible for entry to this country, whether or not they've applied for asylum. The municipality can, on its own behalf, yeah. for public safety and national security reasons, apply directly to the federal right. district court or immigration court to have a expedited hearing and deportation proceeding. Right.
1: Well, it's it's interesting, and I, I just don't see it, unfortunately, happening. I just don't see it happening, Robert. But I I, I, I hear you. Thank you. Let's also let's stick with WABC and listen to Jerry uh, from New Jersey. Jerry, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi.
5: Hi, Mary. How you doing? Uh yeah, Mary. It's good to hear you on the air again. I used to hear you a decade ago all through the Northeast and on New Jersey station, I believe. Right?
1: Yes, you did. Yes.
5: And I saw you on TV, too, and I was thinking, well, why isn't she on a national radio show? Because you are that good. You have the pulse of America is what I always think when I listen to you. Wow,
1: thank you. Thanks, Dad. I appreciate you calling in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not Dad either.
5: (laughs) I'm old enough to be your dad maybe, but I'm not Dad. But anyway, uh, illegal immigration. The thing that a a lot of times is not mentioned is the economics of it. So we're between a rock and a hard place. So let's just call the one end the rock is... Right now, we have to pay for all the benefits, schooling, housing, income, uh, and everything has to be given to them because they're not able to do anything at this point, even legally, let's say. Now, the hard place is that if they do all go to work or if we do give them the right to work, you can't absorb that many people that quickly, it will drive wages down. It's a simple thing of supply and demand, and that's a problem. And when we have inflation to be driving wages down with millions of
6: new workers.
1: Absolutely. But I got to tell you, Jerry, I see signs all over the place and we got to run. I just wanted to get you in here. Thank you so much. You're very sweet. Have a wonderful week. I I keep seeing help wanted signs everywhere. No one wants to work. And I think it's uh, partially because we're paying people to stay home, which is ridiculous. And I think we need to constrain some of that. But also, you know, kids don't work anymore. Kids don't have summer jobs. That's a thing of the past. You know, they get their money from their parents, I guess. My parents always to tell me to go out and work. I don't know if we can undo it. I'm Mary Walter, and you're listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: From high atop Fox News headquarters in New York City, always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmeade.
1: I'm Mary Walter in for Brian Kilmeade. How are you? 866-408-7669 is my number. You can follow me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio. And uh, we, so just a couple things we got going on here, but I, wanna, I want to, um, I'll take your calls, but I want to just um, share something with you that is breaking now. Apparently, they're inside a closed house GOP meeting today. Speaker McCarthy told House Republicans, quote, I need you all to hang with me on the debt limit. We are nowhere near near a deal yet. I told the president three things, no clean debt limit, no raising taxes, spend less money. Remember where we were. They refused to negotiate. We owe Garrett Graves and Patrick McHenry a round of applause. They made a mistake today, meaning the administration made a mistake to not negotiate. Let's stay strong together. Um, McCarthy also apparently showed a video with a chronology of Democrats saying they wouldn't negotiate. So uh, very interesting, and this is something that I, I I never thought I would see Republicans standing together and standing strong. I don't know. I'm kind of scared because I don't know this. Rep- it's it's like when your your significant other suddenly changes their tune and starts doing th- like starts doing things you asked them to do or told them was a problem and they fix it in the relationship. You're like, huh? Oh, okay, what's going on? You know, like you're pleased, but you're still a little leery uh, of that. So if you, if you want to discuss the debt ceiling, we can do that. And one of the things I want to throw out to you is that according to an Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research poll, NORC, um, they did a poll and they found out that 76% believe America's economy is in poor condition, which is insane because a good portion of those people will still vote for the guy who's currently leading the parade. They don't like where the parade's going, but they're still going to vote for the guy who's leading it. Uh, Only 24% indicated that the economy was in good shape, and that's down from last month from April. So only 24% think the economy is in good shape. 41% of Democrats say the um, economy is positive. Only 7% of Republicans say that. Only 21% of adults feel the country is going in the right direction, 36% of Democrats and 7% of Republicans. Now, Biden's approval rating, according to this poll, 40%, 75% of Democrats say he's doing a great job compared to 5% of Republicans. I don't understand that because I'm not a party gal, just not. I mean, I like a good party, but I'm not a political party gal. Eh, it's just not the way I I just I'm just not a joiner when it comes to things like that. So I'm unaffiliated. I've never declared a party when I was 18. I didn't declare it and still haven't done it to this day. Uh, But I don't understand how someone can say that um, that the the economy is in the toilet. They don't like the direction the country is going, but they think that the president's doing a good job. It's like, wait, what? how is that happening? That's just such a disconnect for to me. And I asked this on Twitter and I didn't get any Biden supporters who bit who who answered it. And I said, "Okay, the president is our employee, right? We pay his salary." And and he is chosen by us. We voted him to do the job and we pay him. So let's we're having our let's say we're having our halfway there, midterm halfway into your contract employee review. What has the president done in order for you to say, yeah, let's rehire you again. Let's start the paperwork for another four-year contract. Not, And I say, and you can't mention, you know, since it's a job interview, job review, you can't mention the previous people who held the job because what they've done has no bearing on what you're doing in the job, right? If you go to have a job review at work, you can't say, well, the administrative assistant before me did this, and I think I'm doing better at that than they are. No, 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 that's not how it works. You have to, you have to, Tout your own accomplishments. And they can't answer the question. So I'm curious as to if you think the economy is in poor condition, and I'm pretty sure where this is going to go. But why do you think there's this disconnect with people where, yeah, the economy's bad? Um, overall approval rating uh, for Biden's low, but 75% of Democrats favor his performance. So they think the economy is bad. They don't like the direction the country is going, but they think the guy who's leading it is doing a bang up job. That makes zero sense to me. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Now talked about a a, the, a theory that's happening in England with gender affirming affirmation care. And we use that term here, but apparently in a different way. So over there, they had this clinic, the only publicly funded clinic in the country for children, pediatric gender affirming care. And so they would bring children there. And this had been going on for a while where people inside this clinic were blowing the whistle saying, these kids don't need to have hormone blockers don't need surgery don't need to be told that they're trans they're just gay but it became more acceptable to have children who were transgendered and not gay and I don't know if that's because the problem is just easier to say you know oh well they're gay it's not as much of my it's not as much of a like oh my child needs care maybe it's not as much virtue signaling but it's almost trendy I'm gonna say it to be transgender, especially for kids, not saying for adults, because I think when you're an adult and you go through therapy and all that kind of thing, fine. But I think there's a good portion of kids who are directionless, who are rudderless, who don't don't know where they're going to go once they get out of high school. There's nothing there. Um, kids go through awkward periods in junior high. We all go through it. We all hate our bodies. We all hate the changes that are happening to our bodies. A lot of times it's embarrassing Uh but that doesn't mean that you just change the body you're in. It's part of growing up. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine in Indiana. Robert wants to discuss that. Robert, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi.
9: Hello, and thanks for, uh, thank you for taking my call. Of course. Um, first of all, I want to say I am a Democrat, and I uh, listen every day. I want to get my news. I want to get all the news. Uh, I'm a moderate, so I, I believe in some of the things that, you know, they say on the show and uh, there's some things I just don't agree with, but mm-hmm. that's okay. That's why we're American.
8: So uh,
1: can I, can I just say two. to you mad respect because I do the same thing. So I, I don't want to live in an echo chamber, right? Like I want that's to hear right. what other people have to say. So I give you a lot of respect for, for doing that. Cause a lot of people don't cause it's not an easy thing to do. So thank you. you. uh, When
9: I was, uh, I'm 59. Um, I'm gay, of course. Um, I voted for years uh, for Republicans in my state who were moderates. But I will have to say those, they've disappeared. Mm
13: -hmm.
9: We no longer have that. Uh, It's either all the way to the left or all the way to the right and i'm really calling on the trans issue but that's just you know it's like where's all the you know where's the people that are down the middle um
2: so who do you, who do gone. you
1: consider who do you consider down the middle um
9: we had a wonderful senator uh, richard luger Mm-hmm. Uh, who was uh, the head of the arms appropriations committee, and he was a senior senator, a senator.
1: But but now, who, who do you consider now? He's he's dead, right?
9: Oh God, there's I, I, <laughs> I, the last one was Donnelly from my state, uh, who was ousted by Braun, but Donnelly voted with Trump on some issues, uh, so you know he's he's the closest thing I could think to a moderate. OK. But I don't see that anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
9: Um, and, and that's where I have a problem uh, because I'm not all the way to the left. I'm all I'm, you know, AOC is in that case to me. Uh, if she was in my state, I don't she could. not Well, before we're Republican, uh, she couldn't get uh, booked in a phone booth. Uh, but um, I, I just don't see uh, Evan by was also a moderate.
1: Right. So so your Uh, point is, is that they just don't exist anymore. And I kind of get it because, you know, as I say, I I, I say, is that. I always considered myself moderate. I always considered myself in the middle, but I felt that the mm-hmm. left had just pushed so much. And recently with the oh trans my thing, God,
9: they are, I, I, I,
1: I resent being erased as an actual woman being told that I am exactly the same as a man who has all the equipment, who's wearing a dress. Like I, I resent that. So I find myself being pushed further to the right because of it. So I think it's hard to stand in the middle because I don't think the middle exists anymore.
9: It doesn't. It does not,
1: and that's the problem.
9: And and you know, on the trans issue, I I'm, yes. I'm old, so I go. My mind goes back to Billie Jean King, who fought for uh-huh. equal pay for women in tennis, and uh, Martina Navratilova, and the older women in tennis. And I think of uh, a man uh, transitioning and going into tennis, and uh, uh, let's say. Uh, Djokovic decides he's going to be a woman.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah.
9: I mean, come on, that's totally ridiculous. Yeah. I think it's a slap in the face to women. There, there, uh, biologically, you have more muscle mass than a woman if you know you're what? a biological man.
1: Yeah, and I don't mean to cut you short. we got a lot of people who want to get on. It's been a wonderful conversation, Robert, but I think what you may start to see here is you may start to see the, the lesbian, gay p- faction of the of the alphabet, you know, I, gender issues. You may start to see them move a little bit further to the right because there's, I don't want to say a common enemy, but there's a common belief now that, okay, this has gone way too far and the train is, has checked into crazy town. So that might actually be very, very, very interesting gotta run Robert thank you so much for a wonderful conversation uh let's you know what Bob hang on I'm gonna come to you next hold on don't go anywhere if you want to get in here 866-408-7669 I'm Mary Walter and you're listening to the Brian Kilmeade show
2: giving you everything you need to know you're with Brian Kilmeade If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
5: It is wrong to swim on the men's team for three years and then switch to the women's team and win the women's national championship. That not only takes away opportunities from our girls and our women athletes. It's also asking us to be complicit in a fraud. We will not do that.
1: That is. Is Governor Ron DeSantis on transgender athletes competing in women's sports, which you're seeing more and more of, and you're starting to see women push back against this? Such as one of the things that we're talking about. Uh, if you want to weigh in, eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. We're also talking about uh, the debt ceiling. I don't know. I'm not afraid of defaulting. I'm just not. I just don't think it's going to be plagues of locusts and frogs falling from the sky and, you know, millions of people losing their jobs. I, I just think it's a scare tactic. They they use scare tactics so much that I just don't believe them anymore. I just don't. I'm like, eh, let's see what happens. I hope the Republicans stand strong. And apparently, according to uh, reports from inside the, the meeting this morning, the GOP side, that's what they plan on doing. Uh, also, the, the economy being in poor condition, majority of Americans think the economy is in poor condition, which you can tell me if you believe that. But why do 75 percent of Democrats think that Joe Biden is is doing a good job? But at the same time, majority of Democrats think that um, the Republican, that the um, the budget, the excuse me, the economy is in poor shape. Like, how can both be true? The economy is in poor shape. They agree that the country is going down the wrong road, but yet they 75 percent of them say, yeah, Joe Biden's awesome. That doesn't make any sense to me. 866-408-7669. Eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine And Sanctuary Cities, a lot of things going on that we're talking about. Let's go to Palm Coast, Florida. Bob on WOKV. Bob, you are on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Welcome.
0: Thank you very much. Um, a simple point I just want to make is, um, you know, we have the Olympics, and we also have the Special Olympics. You know, why can't we try to find the middle ground and call it a Transgender Olympics? something of that nature um because when women go and play in male sports it uh um makes any girl growing up feel unworthy i mean 2023 women's award was given to a biological male miss university biological male it just kind of makes girls growing up feel like they can't accomplish anything and that's far from the truth
1: All excellent points. Did you ever notice, I always say to people who are like, oh, there's no difference. Like, if there's no difference when a biological male goes and plays in women's sports, why don't we see biological women entering men's sports and winning? Correct. Why why doesn't that happen? I agree with you. It doesn't happen because they know there's a difference. But here, so do you think the tide is turning though? Because I I go back to this um, story out of Colorado where uh, a woman, Leslie Mumford, started transitioning in 2017, by the way, married to a woman. So now he is a she and is married to a woman. So does that make her a lesbian? I have no idea. I don't, I don't know how to, I can't, my brain cannot follow the flow chart but there was a separate category for transgender racers and still she chose to enter the woman's category and this is someone who led a SWAT team this is not a an effeminate man at all and beat the, the beat the first woman number the woman who came in number 2 the biological woman by 17 minutes so none of the uh, women who who won the biological women, would stand on the podium. So she stood there by herself. Leslie Mumford stood there by herself. So, so is the pendulum swinging?
0: Their rules' faults, I believe. You know, they're being pressured by, you know, the powers to be um, to allow that to happen. Um, you know, that's the organization's fault. You know, what if Mike Tyson decided to step out of retirement and identify as a female? He'd still be the champ, you know? <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, and you you sometimes see that with some of these boxing matches, where you, or these uh, MMA type things, where they, the they have a woman's division, and then a dude shows up. And it just, just towers over them. You can't have it. It can't be, uh, Bob. Thank you so much. Enjoy sunny Florida. I was never a Florida fan on a side note, never a Florida fan, never understood the appeal at all. Everybody's like, are oh, you moving to Florida? Cause I live in Jersey. So all the conversations are, where are you going? And when are you getting out? When, when are you planning your escape? Everyone's planning their escape, right? And everyone's so surprised. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to Florida. I have no desire to go to Florida. But we were down there last month visiting our, actually our neighbors in New Jersey who bought a place in Florida over on the West Coast because I don't know anything about Florida coasts and this and that or anything else. It was amazing. It's fantastic. It's like being on vacation. But in April, it was 90 degrees. I don't know. I don't know if I want to have to live in air conditioning my whole life. Like even, in, And I guess in the winter, you know, there's a couple of months where you can handle it. But um, that's the one part of it I didn't. But I I kind of gotta say, if I'm being honest, I kind of got the appeal now. I'm like, oh, this is what it's about. But but I but I am my husband's like, no, we're not moving to Florida. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> but we're getting out. We're just so Florida's still off the list. But I can understand where people can kind of do it just for a little while, maybe. So. I don't know, a little jealous. We're, I think we're, we're going to head out west. All right, I will get more of your calls, not that you care about my relocation plans. <laughs> 866-408-7669 is my number. 866-408-7669. I have so much more on um, social justice, on transgenderism. We have the economy. We have immigration. Also, the resurgence uh, or the emergence of a third party called No Labels and whether you would actually vote for a third party. It's coming up on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
4: We are advising African-Americans and others that if you travel to Florida, beware that your life is not valued, that we have a political landscape that could cause harm. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we were just talking about Florida. Look at that. Derek Johnson on CNN. Derek Johnson being the president of the NAACP. They actually issued a travel advisory for the state of Florida on their web page saying Florida is openly hostile towards African Americans people of color and LGBTQ plus individuals before traveling to Florida. Please understand that the state of Florida devalues and marginalizes the contributions of and the challenges faced by African Americans and other Communities of color. Now, the funny thing about all this is the hilarity is what you would expect liberal hypocrisy because a man named Leon W. Russell is a black man who happens to live in Florida and all ha- also happens to be the chair of the NAACP board of directors. <laughs> Hilarious. Um <laughs> Let's, let's hear some more. So, so here's part of the reason that I think this is happening. It's because listen to this, this, you, you've got And I've said this all along and you start to see it happening. I think Donald Trump started this with the movement courting the black vote and and blacks and Hispanics and reaching out to them and saying, look, your values align with ours more so than they align with the Democrats, because the Democrats have moved so far to the left. I do think they've pushed the Republicans far further to the right as well. But I think what's happening is the middle is getting squeezed. And I think more people are choosing to move to the right than to the left. Here's more of Derek Johnson on CNN. It's cut nine, Eric, uh, and and says, maybe, maybe could this possibly hear this about, could this possibly be the reason why they don't want black
3: people to go to Florida? 13% of the black population is no small feat uh, for a Republican candidate there in Florida.
4: Well, I have never seen an accurate exit poll in 30 years, nor have you, nor have that network. And I'm surprised you will repeat an exit poll number. Exit polls are historically wrong and misleading. Mm
1: hmm. So it's that also Derek Johnson on CNN. And so it's not because you're starting to see an uptick in the African-American community starting to side with Republicans in exit polls. Who did you vote for on a local level, state level? Uh, it's not because of that no 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 it's because you know um it's a terrible horrible place to live except for the guy who's the chair of the uh, board of directors it's it's fine for h- him there um he was on MSNBC the readout oh Lord and um he he talked about this uh, and he said that um he, you know, it was pointed out that he currently lives in the Tampa Bay area. Area, and he said the chairman of the it was said that the chairman of the NAACP lives in Tampa, Florida. True leadership is being willing to do what you ask others to do. Time to step up and move. This is the Florida Republican Party chair, Christian Ziegler, pointed that out and offered to say, "If you think our state is so bad, the Florida GOP." We'll, will pay you to leave now, which is hilarious. So in his defense, Leon Russell is pushing back against that. And on the readout with Joy Reid said, we're not telling people to move. We're just telling them to be careful. If you're from out of state that, you know, what you're getting into. So I'm comfortable here. It's okay. It's just, so we didn't tell anybody to move out of the state. So that's how he's getting around it. We're just warning people who come to the state to be careful. Mm-hmm. Sure you are. All right. Uh, talking about a third party, Brian in Newtown, North Dakota. You are on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, Brian.
6: Well, hello. How are you doing there today, Barry?
1: I'm doing great, thank you. How's North Dakota?
6: Well, I tell you what. I've recently—you guys know me from North Dakota, but I've moved from North Dakota. I'm actually sitting in the Ohio River Valley at the moment.
1: Oh, good so for it's you! Beautiful,
6: okay. absolutely gorgeous spring. So wonderful. But, uh, yeah, but, yeah. I really. You wanted to talk about the doing. third
1: party, and there's actually a group called No Labels that is saying they're the voice of the common sense majority, and they're looking to get um, a, a, a slate, a president and vice presidential candidate in every state composed of people that they describe as moderates, like a Larry Hogan, like a Joe Manchin. Those people that they say are moderate. What say mm-hmm. you?
6: Well, I think it's a great idea because, first of all, our founding fathers were adamantly opposed of a two-party system. Uh, Thomas Jefferson and then uh, Thomas uh, Paine and also Alexander Hamilton all echoed the point that uh, to become, if the the greatest danger to the republic is that it would become a two-party system, and mm-hmm. this is why they put three branches in government yes. in order to create a balance. The moment you pull. Down to two, now you have it's much easier to control the masses by deception on either side. So you create your, call it your your globalist, call it your um, deep state or whatever else, and then operates in the middle and basically just uh, uh, manipulates either side to their to their benefit. Mm-hmm. So um, that is the whole point of it is that we actually require. To be a, um, a three-party or more system and uh, it is the greatest danger the republic and we're seeing that right now they knew so, the hearts of men who, who yes, would you who
1: would you want to see though on a moderate ticket if this group is successful in getting what they say common sense moderate ticket who do you think you, they could run that you would vote for bipartisan
6: whoa well let's see here bipartisan uh i think on a wow, it, it, it's such a mess in there right now. My yeah. personal opinion, overall, is what we need to do is enact Article Five and start a convention of states. Uh, send our Congress back home, and then we, the people, sort it out from from the state. And each state gets one vote and one vote only. Uh, that I'm I'm a hundred percent for that, and then be able to create a three party system from that point. I would call it. Liberty, uh, Liberty Party or let's say for instance a uh, patriot, but based it on uh, Alexander Hamilton's uh, definition of patriotism, which is uh, that the benefit of the majority outweighs the uh, personal gain uh, of the legislators.
1: Yeah, um, well, the benefit of the majority, you also have the tyranny of the majority, which is why we have the electoral college. Because the cities were controlling everything, and the people who didn't live in cities, uh, the farmers, etc., their rights were 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 not being their their needs were not being met by the government. It was being run by people in big cities. So I, I think we have to to balance it very 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 carefully. And I hear a lot of people talk about convention estates, but I wonder if you wind up creating new problems. Brian, thank you. Appreciate you joining us. Drive carefully as you tour the country. And uh, thanks for listening to the Brian Kilmeade Show If you choose to do that. Let's head to Missouri St. Charles. Rick on KFTK. Uh, Rick, welcome.
11: Hey, how are you, Mary?
1: Doing great. For thank you. Taking my call.
11: Uh, you had asked the question about uh, why would those who voted for the current president consider reelecting him in light of his poor performance with respect to the economy? And yes. uh, I could only think of two answers for that. One is that, you know, uh, a poor performing economy has to be felt personally, number one, in order to accept the premise, you know, That's that true. the economy indeed is performing poorly. And uh, But I think that probably only applies to a narrow number of people. But, um, but I think the other one is that if you feel the economy is heading in the wrong direction, you probably are aware of the fact that it didn't take uh, that it didn't get there. Overnight, that it's indeed been the responsibility of both parties from time to time, and it's something that's been building up for a long haul. And uh, to the extent that uh, one party, or the other, claims uh, the high road on fiscal responsibility, but then gets in power and indeed doesn't change it, mm-hmm. doesn't turn things around, the whole argument of fiscal responsibility becomes somewhat of a disingenuous argument, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, and people have a tendency to downplay. Uh, the, the current administration, particularly if they voted for it, uh, as the responsible party for that. So I, I think that it's something that both parties need to work on because, uh, boy, when I look back over history, it seems to me that every uh, administration that leaves office leaves office with a higher level of debt. and And yes. for the most part, I think since, what, the last time we had a surplus was the turn of the century, I think. And uh, and uh, the Republican response to that was to uh, ta- cut taxes and send the money back to the to the American taxpayers instead of paying down the debt that we have. So I, there has to be some course correction, I think, with respect to the economy. And I think it has to be sustained over a longer period of time than just the two-, four-, or six-year term of, a, of an elected official. But it has to be looked at as something this country needs to do and hold steady to for a long
13: time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. No one no one is blameless. A hundred percent, no one's blameless. Uh, but we can't continue like this forever. We ju- we just can't. And something has to be done. And I'm kind of I'm kind of glad to see Republicans standing strong and saying, "It ends here. We're not cutting veterans' benefits. We're just saying we're not increasing the spending. We're just not going to increase. We're going to keep things where they are, and we're going to make people who are able bodied actually get a job." We're going to cut back on their benefits. This has been done before. It's not controversial. Bill Clinton was the one who started with the back to work thing. You know, he was the one with work requirements. And everybody thought it was a great idea. So why not now? Thank you so much. I appreciate you joining us, Rick. Uh, Julia on Twitter said, uh, in answer to your question, how Democrats say the economy is not good and the country is going in the wrong direction, but that Biden's doing a good job and why the disconnect? I think they're brainwashed. I think they're indoctrinated. It's interesting because both sides say that, right? The other side is brainwashed. The other side's indoctrinated. But I got to—I I, think—and I have this conversation a lot with people. I think the ability to reason, to think logically, it used to be taught in school. We were never taught what to think, but we were taught how to think. We were taught how to reason. And, and, and we were taught, you know, logic. Remember those puzzles and the games that you had when you were a kid? If this, if Susie isn't Ben's wife and she's not Dave's wife, then whose wife is she? You, you, know, you had those logic puzzles when we were young. And you were, you were taught to reason things out. We don't teach that anymore. We, and kids now are being taught what to think. You don't need to reason. You just need to know what to think. This is right. This is wrong. If you feel something is right, then it is right. Because you have your truth. I hate when people say, well, I understand you're standing in your truth. I'm like, no, everybody doesn't get their own truth. There's truth and there's, and there's false. I mean, it, it's, it's one or you can't have your own truth. You can interpret things the way you want to interpret them. That doesn't make it true. It doesn't mean that that was anybody's intent, but facts are facts. And that's what I think is happening. And you're starting to see that more and more. All right. Got to take a quick break. I will get back for more of your calls. 866-408-7669. Mary Walter in on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
2: Both sides, all opinions. It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show.
8: And I really appreciate the NAACP's guidance uh, on this issue. You know, I just took my family to to spring break in Florida recently. And I think about all of the folks who traveled there for sun and joy um, and peace and restoration. And to be reminded that actually this is getting to the point where Florida is about to be a terrorist state to to many of us here in America. Certainly as a lesbian, as a black woman, I don't want to have anything to do with the place.
1: That brought to you, those words, pearls of wisdom, brought to you by Democratic strategist Aisha Mills on MSNBC. But yet, listen to what she said. She said, I just took my family to spring break in Florida recently. So up until recently, she thought Florida was a great place to go. They travel there for the sun and joy and peace and restoration. Well, that sounds like a great place, doesn't it? But I'm never going back. Because it's going to turn into a terrorist state. You people make no sense. You're just not serious. You're fools. It's just just buffoonery at this point in the game. It's going to be a terrorist state, except for the board of directors of the NAACP, who lives there. Let. <laughs> Let's head out to Chris in Appleton, Wisconsin. Uh, Chris, oh, you know what? Before, before I head to Chris, Chris, hang on one second. All right, you've got a point on on immigration. I just want to throw one more thing out there. Um, I want to know, you know, we. Donald Trump rising in the polls and Representative Comer was on Fox and Friends first. And he said something very interesting. Listen to what he says here. And he claims that Trump is rising in the polls because of the investigations that they're doing into Biden. And I'm curious if that's if you agree with that, because Trump is rising and I can't figure it out. Here he is.
11: There's no question. You look at the polling and right now, Donald Trump is seven points ahead of Joe Biden and trending upward. Joe Biden's trending downward. And I believe that the media is looking around, scratching their head, and they're realizing that the American people are keeping up with our investigation. And they realize something's wrong here. It's not normal for the president of the United States' children and grandchildren and in-laws and nieces and nephews to receive wires from foreign nationals. That's what we've proven. And we proved that this happened while Joe Biden was vice president of the United States.
1: So do you think that that's why Donald Trump's numbers keep going up because of the investigations and everything that's coming out about Joe Biden? Because I got to tell you, I don't think a lot of people are paying attention to what what the Republicans are doing. It's not even it is not carried on the mainstream media. It is not carried on the uh, most of the cable channels. You know, Fox, maybe a couple of others. That's about it. But the vast majority of media not covering the story. So I'll take your calls on that as well, 866-408-7669. Back to Chris in Appleton, Wisconsin. Well, that sounds like a nice place to live. Chris, you're on the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi.
5: Hi, Mary. It is a beautiful place to live. Um, it's actually the place I settled after living in Jersey for most of my life. And it's good to hear your voice again. Um, Thank you. So I wanted to get on topic with the immigration thing. There's a lot of other topics you talked about I'd love to talk about, but uh, we'll stick with immigration because you're on a short slot. So growing up in Jersey, we had immigrants coming in all the time to work the farms, as you know, and they would come and go, but they would kind of leave a mess. So growing up, we called them geese because they'd fly in, they'd crap all over the place, pardon my French, and then they'd leave. Well, now... We have to call them dreamers, we have to call them this, we have to call them that. No, they're non-combatant invaders, plain and simple. That's what they are. Nothing else, nothing more.
1: I have a problem with military age young men who are coming, I keep being told it's women and children. And I'm like, well, that's not any better because they're totally dependent on the system. So I'm not quite sure what they're going to do. But the Democrats, you know, if if they say, well, we need them to pick our crops and because without them, we don't eat and we need them to clean our homes. And I thought when I saw that, that little presser that they did or that comment that was made, we need them to pick our crops. I'm like, all you have to do is change crops with cotton and the Democrat party hasn't changed. Right. They haven't changed. Um, But they need we need to be, um, I guess, more careful about the people who are coming in here. And I think that that's your point, Chris. And and we got to run, Chris. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry that we have to run. And I don't know if I would relocate out of Jersey to Wisconsin. I don't know if that's where I would go. I like cheese, but I don't know. Um, You know, the, the Democrat Party at its roots, still racist. Am I wrong if when they say, well, we need them to pick our crops and to clean our homes. We need them to do who's going to do all this work is it's, it's work that, you know, the left looks down on because they do look down on certain types of work and say, well, who's going to do it, Right. Uh, Just a quick plug. Don't forget, I have a podcast tonight, 7.15 Eastern Time. Uh, Look for Mary Walter Radio on Getter or YouTube. We've got some great guests lined up, and the audio will be available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also, uh, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mary Walter Radio. I'm back with you on Friday on The Brian Kilmeade Show.